Hey, yo, make sure you strap up your Tims because you're now listening to the Daily Knicks podcast. On this edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about the Knicks offseason moves, their starting lineup, and of course, Chris Das Porzingis' contract. But first, check this out. So obviously this is the first time that you guys are probably hearing my voice and want to know who's talking to you. So I'll just do a quick introduction. This will be the first and last time I'll try to do this so you guys can understand who I am, what I'm about. So my name is Justin, a.k.a. Justin Credible, and I'm a contributor at the Daily Knicks Pod Center. The Daily Knicks site is a site where we obviously talking about everything Knicks, and I just recently got hired there. So pretty, really thankful for all the people that were able to put confidence in me for being able to put content out on this channel. And I'll just explain to you guys what this podcast is. Um, it's a weekly Knicks update on everything New York um, from on the court, off the court. Um, I'll try to detail things that I think are going to happen into the future of this team for this season. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot of KP as well. Since he is the cornerstone, he is the franchise. Um, free agency will also be a big topic of discussion of this. And I'll also have my, what I like to call uh, my crossroads. Uh, basically, if you guys watch Scott Van Pelt or anybody who has like a major radio station, they kind of have this like one big thing kind of thing at the end. So my passions, as you guys will figure out as you listen to, are music and sports. And I will try to mash them together and make a greater point on something that I'm feeling on the day. It might be sports. It might be music. It might be politics. It might be something crazy, but we're going to try it out until they cut us off, right? So the first thing obviously we're going to talk about is the Knicks offseason, what has happened and what is going to happen during the season from these offseason moves. Okay. So People that are now on the team that were not on the team last year, we have obviously Coach Fisdale who arrived, took the job in May. We drafted um, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and also Alonzo Trier. Well, didn't draft Alonzo, but he's on the team now. Um, those three guys appear that they've all made the team. Alonzo Trier has a, has a two-way contract. So for everything that I've read so far, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, so – if he is somehow sent down to the G League from right now till opening night tomorrow, that will be a shock to me. So don't get surprised if you hear this and he's now on the roster. Um, so he's on the team, obviously made a big impact during the preseason and summer league. And those three guys are now the new faces of the team. People that we've lost, God bless his Holy Spirit. Joe Kim Noah is no longer with the squad, the eighth god, we like to call him, Michael Beasley, is also gone. Jarrett Jack is also departed from us as well. And those were pretty much the three main contributors for our team last season. Okay, so what to expect from this next season right now? So we already have the starting lineup um, reported. Mike, I'm going to mess up your name, but he works for The Athletic. If you guys don't know, make sure you guys follow him on uh, Twitter. I'll put my Twitter account at the end of this so you guys can go. I've retweeted his account a bunch of times so you can follow me so you can know what I'm talking about. Um, but Mike Verakua, I completely botched that name. I'm terrible with 
interesting last names. The first one that I saw reported that the Knicks are going to start Frank Milikina at the three and have Kevin Knox come off the bench. Now, this is really surprising for obviously a lot of us who are fans who've watched the team and kind of uh, watched all through preseason. I was a firm belief that the first starting unit that they had against the Wizards was going to be their starting five, which was Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., Knox, uh, Lance Thomas, and Enos Cantor. Obviously, it came out earlier this this in the preseason that Lance was going to be the starting four um, in place of KP. Now, if you just think about it, um, it was really only at what I believe was one spot open once Lance got that position. Um, Tim Hardaway, despite what you might feel about him, good or bad, he was going to be a starter. And the lack of big men on the team with KP being hurt, experienced big men at least, Cantor was going to be the starter. Those guys were starters locked. Lance then came in and basically took the job from Mario Hazonia, from Hazonia's awful turnovers that he took, had during the preseason. So Lance is our, was the four, and then I figured that Knox would have played the three. So I figured that the three point guards would have figured it out and really would have came down between Burke and Nilakina since Moutier, I, I don't even know why he's on the team anymore. But with that saying, it's surprising. It's surprising um, in this regard. I understand why Fizdale decided to put Frank at the three. Your starting backcourt is not good defensively. You have Burke, very short. Uh, and you also have Tim Hardaway, not a good defensive player. If you had a starting lineup of Burke, Hardaway, Knox, Cantor, and Lance, Lance is the only, I would even say, good defender on the team. I don't think he's a plus defender. I think he's a solid defender. The rest of those guys, at least so far from what we've seen from Knox this preseason, is that they are average to subpar defenders, okay? Um, And putting Burke and Cantor in pick and roll is going to be a nightmare for teams to deal with, for the Knicks to deal with, at least on the defensive end. So, I understand why he put Frank in the game. He's thinking, I have two guys, two big guys. This is a very big team outside of Burke. Um, you know, uh, Cantor's over seven feet tall. Um, Lance Thomas is, is, I believe, six eight six nine. You have Tim Hardaway and Frank McKinnon, who are both six six, And then, obviously, Burke, who's five, whatever, something and change. Um, so they have a big lineup out there. Um, and I understand that he wants to be able to switch everything and be able to have players who move. And then you basically are having two, you're basically putting two defend two uh, defensive players out there instead of having just four offensive players out there when you switch Nilakina and Knox. However, the one criticism I would have of this move is the idea of that the Knicks are going to have an issue scoring coming off the bench. Um, they don't necessarily have a guy to really start at point guard. I mean, we've already gone through the Emmanuel Moutier tr- uh, trials and tribulations. He's not a good point guard. He's not actually a very good NBA player, to be honest. Uh, Mario Huzonia has shown you in the preseason that while he does show some flashes of being able to play well, he turns the rock over a lot. And I don't know if you want to run the offense through him. And then... 
if you were to take someone, in my opinion, like Tim Hardaway Jr. and put him on the bench, you would then have had an explosive bench of Tim Hardaway, Mario Hazonia, and also having um, Mitchell Robinson be the guy to run up and down the floor. That, to me, that is really the fast team that um, that Fizdale envisions. That's the team, to me, that can really push the ball up the floor. And obviously, if you mix him some starters, if you have Burke play with that unit or even have Frankie play with that unit, you can constantly push the rock up and down. Um, so this doesn't hurt. You know, Knox, I don't think this is a this is damaging to his um, outlook on the team. It's, Fizdale already came out and said that players are only going to play 28 minutes per game. No one's going to play up to the 30s marks. I don't believe that just because naturally some players will play better than others. You're not going to keep constantly splitting minutes for a guy who's not playing that well and limiting the minutes of a guy who's playing great or, you know, on a hot streak, as you would say. So. I understand that um, why it was done, how it was done. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the move, but listen, he's a first-time coach. This team is not very talented. Uh, right now, they're expected to have the worst record in the NBA, according to uh, 538. Uh, they're only expected to win about 23 games. We'll get to win projections at the end, but that's the moment. So tinkering with the lineup, I think, throughout the season is going to be something that will take place. I think a bunch of guys will have a chance to start. I think a bunch of guys will have a chance to come off the bench. Um, so just for tonight, I think this is more a baseball kind of idea as opposed to an actual NBA team, whereas baseball, you you play matchups. I think this is how this team will go forward until KP, Knox, Robinson, Trier, uh, Frank, and other players either step up or basically lay wayside to the actual talent on the team. So that's just, you know, my my thought on the starting lineup. All right. But the biggest point I want to ask right now from the offseason um, and from the expectations is, do you as the fans, do you trust this team? And what I mean by that is, do you trust that they will stick to the plan? All right. So currently, the Knicks, um, they obviously open with Atlanta. I'm going to pull up the rest of their schedule right now they open off atlanta they play brooklyn um on friday then they have a bunch of tough games after that um the nba didn't do them a lot of favors so after the nick after the nets game on friday they have to play four straight playoff teams um with the celtics the bucks the heat and the warriors um all consecutively after that then they play the nets again which is interesting they're playing the nets kind of quickly um after they just played the nets like a couple of games a couple of days ago and that's their first break so for the month of october they play let me see one two three four five they play five playoff teams and they also play yeah they play five playoff teams from the season ago um and so looking at this schedule, there's very little chance that I think they'll have a winning record, but you never know. It's really early in the season. You don't know what's going to take place as the season progresses. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, do you trust this team in a sense of what happens if they get off to a bad start? What happens when 
someone comes out and inevitably says, I need to get more minutes because you know what's going to happen. It's New York. We fish for stories all the time. Um, what is going to be the thing that's going to catch someone's ear or irie or whatever the situation is? Um, I don't know, but I I want you to whoever is that guy who's listening to this right now who's saying, I'm all on board with the plan on the rebuild, on the trusted process type of mindset to then turn around and call your favorite local radio station and say, yo, Fizdale don't know what the fuck he's doing. I need you to make sure you keep that same energy from tonight. If you if you do not trust this plan, if you think, because look, look, uh, we can kind of bleed into free agency with this. Look, they're all in on 2019. It's clear from everything that's done. They didn't need to cut Noah now. They cut him. They saved some money for this season. They could have simply kept him on the roster and probably traded him next season with an asset as an expiring contract. They could have re-signed Chris Stapps right now. Okay? Him playing in whatever, if he doesn't play this season, if, they're, if they've already broached the idea that he might not play this season, then they've already made the commitment like we're going to pay we're either going to pay you now or we're not going to pay you at all. And I from from what the way this fan base is, I don't think that's an option for them not to give this man his his money. So, they saved 10 million dollars with that. They have actively been reported about being linked to Kevin Durant, to Kyrie Irving, to Jimmy Butler. They're all in on getting someone or or someone's to come here next season. Do you trust that they will be able to do that? We don't know. We've 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 never seen, you know, Scott Perry, Steve Mills, and David Fisdale in an environment where there's actual there's something on the line. It's all been kumbaya. It's all been great. They got Fisdale, great hire for most people who expected. They picked Kevin Knox over Michael Porter Jr., who a lot of fans booed at, but you saw him at Summer League. He looked great. Mitchell Robinson looked like he can be a, a starting NBA player. Alonzo Trier shows you that he should have been undrafted. He should be an NBA player, okay? Fisdale talking about positionless basketball and all this other great stuff and having all these point guards play and all the great workout videos and yada, yada, yada. That's all well and good. But if they do not get anyone in the offseason, that is going to be a major, major problem. A major problem. And the fact that they are taking a risk with Chris Stapps by not giving his money now. So do you think that this team will get it done? History will show you that you shouldn't believe them. It's shown that you shouldn't believe them. But we're going to have to look forward and be like, hey, it's on you if you want to think about taking them seriously as an actual NBA franchise. All right. But now this. Okay. Speaking about Chris Stapps, clearly it shows the Knicks did not give him a rookie extension. Uh, five years, $154 million. He didn't receive his extension. Only two players from that draft have received their uh, max extension was Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker. Um, I would argue that Porzingis is the best player from that draft. Injuries have slowed him down. I think when it's all said and done, if he stays healthy, he will be better than Carl Anthony Towns. But I can't obviously make that argument right now since he isn't playing and 
Carl Towns has a psychopath playing basketball with him and basically debolt him in the middle of practice. But on a Chris Stapps update, from everything that we keep reading, he's rehabbing and the timetable is still up in the air. No one knows when he's coming back. NBA could probably think he's coming back around Christmas. Some people think he'll come back around February, March. Some people think he'll miss the entire season. For me, for what it's worth, I think he has to come back and play consistent back-to-back games. I think he has to play anywhere between 20 and 30 games. And here's the reason why. I think this is really important. The Knicks have to show people that this guy can stay on the court. If you have a pipe dream that you think Kevin Durant's coming here, Kevin Durant is not going to come here if he thinks KP's not going to be able to play. Kevin Durant's not coming here if he thinks Mitch, uh, Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox are two, three years away. The guy's 30 years old. He's not waiting on teenagers and people in their early 20s to lead him to a, to, to, to a championship. He's just going to get killed. It's not worth it. It's not worth leaving a franchise where you think you have to baby people or constantly worry about this guy's going to be in and out the lineup consistently. Um, I don't want them to rush him, but it's got to be concerning if it takes a guy, what would that be, almost 20 months to come back from the ACL? He tore it last February, this, this year February. If he doesn't come back this entire season, then he his first game back would have been, I believe, 20 months since he tore it. No one's going to come here thinking that some guy can't come back from an ACL. I understand ACL is a, a major injury. It's something that, you know, some guys wouldn't have come back five, ten years ago from. But he's in an era where the medical science is amazing, okay? he's has the best stuff around him. He's the best doctor's rehab facility. He needs to come back and play. He has to come back and play. There's no excuse for it. And also come back and play well. Because if he comes back and plays well, I personally have Kevin Knox winning Rookie of the Year. And if Mitchell Robinson can not foul everyone on the court, then I think the Knicks have a really good really good base of a team. Even if they don't get anybody. If you have Nilakina step up, obviously KP comes back and plays health and is healthy. Robinson, Trier, and Knox show you that they are capable NBA players. Losing out on someone like Kevin Durant, Jimmy, um, Kyrie, it the bur- the the burden won't be as bad since that you will still have a top pick because even with KP healthy, I don't think they would win that many more games. Um, you could then use that pick and the money to possibly trade for someone like Damian Lillard. You can use then you finally have flexibility. You can move some stuff around. You telling me that if 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 the Knicks had Kevin had a uh, Damian Lillard a healthy Porzingis, Frank showing that he can be a lockdown defender, Mr. Robinson looked like Skywalker, Kevin Durant wouldn't want to come to that team. All right? So KP's injury is vitally important. Now, the second half of this is his contract. 
Obviously, they didn't sign him. He's going to be a restricted free agent come this summer. I, I this the whole time when this whole restricted free agency kind of came about, I was kind of thinking it doesn't really matter what KP wants. Like he's going to re-sign with the Knicks either way. And even if the relationship isn't great, we have him for five years. But I was reading um, from the New York from the Daily News, Frank Isola. Well, he doesn't work there anymore, but Frank Isola's piece was uh, given given points of that. Well, KP can just simply just say, "I want a one year deal worth you know whatever twenty million." The Knicks will obviously match, and then he'll just walk the season after that. But my thing is this. Even, even though that is a possibility, do you think a guy who's had multiple leg injuries, not, you know, he's had a shoulder, he had a shoulder injury, I think, his rookie year, but most of his injuries have been, you know, ankle, uh, knee, obviously with the torn ACL, uh, he had a back. Uh, <laughs> real funny, quick aside, I was working with KP and his trainer one time for for a magazine company and he actually in the in warm-up in the warm-up hurt something in his back and everyone at the shoot froze i mean completely froze they didn't know what to do um they wanted to make sure that he was obviously okay and um, he funny enough wanted to push through it and mind you it was like a five second shoot he didn't have to do this um but the thing is about him is that He's got to come back. He's got to stay healthy with this contract. I think that the relationship between him and the Knicks has been solid, but we're going to see. We're going to see if he's constantly communication. We're going to see how this gets played out and whether or not KP trusts the Knicks. Because at the end of the day, this is ex- this is what it's going to come down to. Do they trust the Knicks? All right, so now we get into the future part of the Knicks. What will be upcoming? What things will be looking forward to? All right, so my prediction is that Chris Stapps will come back um, at some point. I'm gonna I'm gonna say in February, probably March, because it's a year since the injury. I don't think they want to rush him. Um, and I think they know that free agents want to see how it is. I don't believe in this constant be terrible every single season because you you build a losing mentality. Go look at the Giants. The Giants now have a losing mentality because they've lost every year since they won that Super Bowl in 2011. So winning has to be a priority at some point. Um, I think that he'll come back. I think he'll play well. I think that this is a year... It's funny because last season you had rookies in good positions to, you know, win games. Like if you looked at it, Mitchell, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, I'm sorry, Donovan Mitchell, no one thought he was going to average 20 points, but he had a team that clearly that was full of veterans, had a good head coach um, and put him in the best position to succeed. Same thing with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was full of veterans, great coach. Put him in his position to see. I'm not counting Ben Simmons because he wasn't a rookie last year. But those two guys were in great positions to succeed from the start. If you look at this season, it's not as um, clear cut as guys who can win. A lot of guys will put up stats, but not a lot of guys will be able to win if you look at the draft from last season. Um, 
You can start at the top with Aiton. Um, he's been putting up monster numbers, but the Suns are not going to be able to win. Like they're just not going to be. <laughs> they're just not going to be a good enough team to win basketball games. Then you have Marvin Bagley with the Kings. They're going to suck. Then you have obviously the trade between Luca. Luca was drafted by Atlanta. He was traded to Dallas for Trey Young. Dallas is going to be bad. Memphis. People think Memphis is going to be good. I think Memphis is going to suck again. Trey Young obviously is on Atlanta. They want to suck. Mo Bamba. They don't have a point guard. Wendell Carter Jr. They're not going to be good. Colin Sexton might have the best team, but he's got a bunch of guards ahead of him. So I don't know how much he'll even be able to start for them. I just mentioned Kevin Knox. Obviously coming off the bench right now, but I think he'll still get a lot of minutes. Um, then you have Zaire Smith, who broke his foot like everyone in Philly does. So he came and count. Shit, uh, Shy Gildas Alexander probably will be the starting point guard. Maybe he's got to beat out Patrick Beverly. My point is, I'm not going to say list everyone who's in the top tier, but if you just look at these guys, none of them are none of them are in a Boston situation. Philly situation last year, who just gets implanted to a team that's able to take off right now. I would have loved to see Michael Porter if he was healthy. I don't know when he's coming back um, on that Nuggets team. Because I think if if there would have been a guy that you want to see win a bunch of games and put up good stats, Michael Porter would have been the guy for me. Uh, so I think this is going to be a strictly statistical-based award, kind of like the Michael Carter-Williams year where, like, there was no one really to pick, but they picked the guy with the best stats. Um, I don't think that Kevin is the leader in the clubhouse. If I had to pick a betting favorite, I would go 8-1. and one. I would then go Luka number two, and then I would go Knox. But obviously, this is Nick's podcast, bro. You know who we're talking about. So I'm going to say Kevin Knox is going to win Rookie of the year at worst, at worst will be in the top three of the voting. So um that's who that's my prediction for them. Um that's this prediction for the team. Um and last prediction is one of these guys will be traded, either Courtney Lee or Tim Hardaway. Now it seems that they really like Tim Hardaway. Um, you know, Fizdale's come out and said he needs to be a leader and all sort of stuff, blah, 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 blah. It looks like Courtney might fall out of the rotation, especially since that his he's had a neck injury, and there's so many guards at this at this point for the Knicks to play. It would have to be that one of them either gets hurt or just is inefficient. Um, so I definitely can see Courtney getting traded sooner than later. Um, the Knicks have to trade him. Um, Unfortunately, we were doing the trade um, discussions. I don't really see a contending team that would need him. I would uh, Houston was the ideal spot, um, but it looks like they might get Jimmy Butler. I was thinking about Philly as well, but if you look at down their roster, there's not really a lot of like contracts that the Knicks would want because the Knicks obviously don't want to take any money back. Um, so it's hard. It's a 34 year old. I think Courtney Lee just turned 34. 34 year old guard who. You know, people want to praise his defense. His defense actually fell off a little bit last year. He had great offensive numbers, but his defense wasn't that great. And he's also not as big as, you know, he's not necessarily a great 3 and D guy because he's not as big as most 3 and D guys. Most 3 and D guys are like really big wings. He's, according to Lee, he's about 6'4", 6'5". So that's, that'll be kind of a problem. But I do think that some team might look to beef up, you know, maybe a bench role and stuff like that. So maybe they'll take on his contract 
I'm about to attach probably a second round pick or some of like that just to sweeten the offer. But um, that's um, Courtney Lee's deal. Um, so, yeah. All right, it's the last thing of the week. This is just what I call the crossover, where I just talk to you guys about sports, music, and I try to mash it into a point that I want to make. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk to you guys about systems and how systems work. So there's a lot of people who probably want to be stars. You know, I do a podcast by myself for a website. My ego wants to potentially be a star. Um, but most people aren't stars. Most people aren't special. Most people are just regular. But we still see an enormous amount of stars. Just because some people, they work, they work harder than others. Some people end up in better situations. And some people just find the right systems. You know, there are people that are truly gifted. Kanye West is the most gifted artist I've ever seen. But Jay-Z is considered the greatest of all time. Why is that? Hard work, relationships, and system. I bring up systems because of this. Uh, the leader of the Migos, uh, Quavo, released his uh, debut album, Quavo Hancho. Um, it came out. Uh, personally, I don't feel like it was his best work. He was a little all over the place. They had a political track that didn't sound good at all. Um, he did something else with a Nicki Minaj's little Kim record that came off kind of cheesy. Um, and for everyone who's in this music game, people always think that um, Quavo is just so much better than his two other uh, siblings and take off and offset or family members, I should say. Um, but those are actually the two things that make Quavo great. They basically act like the, the bowling bumpers when he's going down the lane to knock down the pins. They keep them in line. And so sometimes not everyone's meant to be a solo act. Not everyone's meant to just be great on their own. Sometimes, just like in sports, you need a great system. Music, you need a great system too. And Quavo had that. So... I bring this up because it's reported that the three of them are all releasing solo albums, which I think would be a mistake. Um, at the end of the day, you got to realize what you're good at and what Quavo, Takeoff, and Offset are good at is Chuck the Bando. All three of them being the three amigos. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys again for listening to The Daily Knicks. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you go check out all the content on The Daily Knicks. If you want to follow your boy and give me some praise or some love, whatever, make sure you do it. Just follow me. It's at JustinCred92 on every platform you can imagine, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you want to find me at. Um, thank you for all the sponsors, everyone who's ever wanted to check me out. I'll be back next week um, to make sure to uh, subscribe to me. All right. This is uh, your boy. We're out. Go next.